The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello everyone and welcome to Oh What A Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. Once again, back with you to break down the good, the bad, the ugly and the beautiful over the course of the last 48 or 72 hours and all things Spurs. You've got a fully fit squad, no 50 percenters in here, no one passing late fitness tests, everyone at max capacity. Uh, Shawnee Walsh, back in the game. How you doing, brother? You right? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, look, do you know what? I can't even work. It's been such a weird week. Can't even work it out. Can't work it out. Um, under Godson, all good in your end? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Jude, you're in yeah, one no week complaints. And yeah, Dan no Kilpatrick, how are you? I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now, do you know what? I think everyone sort of, it, it sounds really silly saying this, but I feel like everyone's reaction has pretty much hit the nail on the head from yesterday. It's just like, yeah. 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 So what we're going to do, we're going to, as ever, we'll do good, bad, ugly, beautiful, and we'll we'll kind of nip through all of the important stuff. Let's just do top line takes off the back of Spurs losing 1-0 to Man City. Um, Sean, I'll, I'll come to you first, mate. What is your overarching takeaway from yesterday? Uh, I think it's just that there was we're just going to rely on so many kind of things going our way in order to really come away from that and the feeling i had from the whole game was we were playing it like an nfl match like we were just trying to get up the pitch so incrementally with each possession we had up by inches and i think when was it it was like 20 25 minutes we had our first real chance already across for kane and it, the longer the game went on it was really annoying that you know, it's, it's still nil-nil. In the last few years, we've been City's bogey team. We might be able to sneak this. And then, obviously, it just kind of falls flat. But it, I'm not too kind of disheartened by it because I just, I had no expectations going into this final. I did not expect a team managed by the youngest manager in Premier League history 
to come up with an amazing game plan against like Pep Guardiola and the most well-oiled machine in European football. It just it just felt so unrealistic that we were ever going to get something. So I'm not I'm not losing my mind about it. I think there are things that annoyed me. Like I don't think we played with much intensity, but I think the players didn't look fit. I think the substitutes were very confusing. But ultimately, I, I just don't think there were many universes in which Spurs prevailed yesterday. That's a that's a really interesting way of of, of kind of referencing it, Sean. I, it almost to me conjures up that image of um, like that. There's like a type of solar eclipse, isn't there, where all the planets are in one line, and you're like, yeah. it happens once every like four thousand years or something. It definitely <laughs> felt like yesterday with the fact that we'd changed a manager within three or four days, five days, maybe of a, of a major final. The fact that Harry Kane is sort of coming back from fitness, the fact that Man City are possibly the best team in Europe, if not the world, everything had to align Jude in order for us to kind of come away from that being like, oh, we've nicked it 1-0. Yeah, uh, that just reminded me of uh, the uh, Avengers Endgame bit where Iron Man turns to Doctor Strange and he says, do we win in this one? <laughs> it really wasn't, it really, that wasn't the one yesterday, unfortunately. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think my main take is that, it, you know, it's Tottenham in beaten by better team Shocker, really. Um, and for most of it, they were just suffocated out of the game. And I think they had two shots in all. I, yeah, I'm not particularly disappointed. It's It's hard, but you know it was it was coming and they did they did get the goal and it's just tough to take but it is what it is and we should reference the fact that there was a number of Spurs fans back in the stadium you were there yesterday did it make you feel a little bit emotional bring a tear to the eye here and I win the Spurs once more yeah Ryan Mason's blew my army did hit did hit me in the feels um yeah it was really good to have fans back I mean it was you know it's genuinely been easy to forget what it's like to have fans in the stadium. You know, I've been going to every game behind closed doors since June and it's amazing how quickly you get accustomed to things and it's amazing how quickly that became the actual new normal. Um, so that was really stirring to have fans back and, and that's a positive at least. And it, yeah, it really gives gives us something to look forward to next season, even when kind of things around the club on and off the pitch do feel quite bleak at the moment. Um so that that was that was great, and yeah, just just to kind of echo what what the guys said, really, I think to win that kind of game in the current state the club's in, you need a break, like some kind of bounce of the ball or just something to go your way, and that you know that might have been the sending off, I suppose. You know, had had Laporte gone, um, you know that that might have been the break Spurs needed, but it, you know it didn't happen, and and I think Mason got it wrong, but then I also think like Mason's the last person to blame for for what happened, you know. So six days um, in. Get him yeah. out. <laughs> Hunter, but I saw so many tweets yesterday basically referencing the fact that uh, it was a lot easier a couple of weeks ago, feeling perhaps a little bit less mm. uh, in games as opposed to maybe 10 minutes in or 15 minutes in where Eric Dyer is making a block from a ball essentially just flying into the back of the net and you're like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was you know it was the full full array of emotion yesterday it was complete despair joy to despair to sort of hope and then that's all shattered you know that's what being a football fan is isn't it especially being a Spurs fan and so 
I'll be honest, I quite enjoyed caring again. No, because I really did care yesterday. And although we didn't, you know, we didn't really put anything together, even though, you know, when Hoybier has that chance to slide Regulon in, I'm, I was angry that he got it wrong. I was pissed off that he didn't make that pass. And, you know, there's a couple of, there's only a couple of moments. And, but, you know, I was on the edge of my seat again. Whereas, you know, in the Everton game, not, not the Everton game, the game a couple of weeks ago. Newcastle? I, I remember tweet, uh, texting you guys saying, I didn't celebrate when we scored and I didn't celebrate when we conceded. It was just like a, it was like a flat, um, it was a flat line throughout. Um, so, you know, I'd, th- there are so many things wrong with what's happening at Spurs right now. And to only lose 1-0 to that City team is, is you know, a miracle in a way. A moral victory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there was a lot of, um, yeah, there was a lot of wet and wild takes yesterday, which I found quite interesting. Almost, I, I text Hunter last night saying, I'm going to head out to the demilitarized zone for some fresh air. It was getting spicy. Yeah, it really was. It was, it was, it was getting a bit heated in there. So I thought, right, get myself out of here and just try and avoid some of this. But let's go into the good stuff first. And I would like to kind of tee this one up for you guys. Out of all of the things that that possibly were going to be ways in which we conceded goals, the one that I was probably most worried about was our lack of consistency <laughs> in centre-back positions that could just lead to an error. And in the first half, Eric Dyer and Toby Alderweireld, Toby was rolling back the years <laughs> And and I he was making blocks and and I was it was really stirring these things sort of these feelings in me of like, oh my god he, he used to do that every single game with Jan, mm. those two together just stopped everything there at all and Eric Dyer looked like a very very solid centre back you know the block that he made was was phenomenal were you impressed by them Jude in the first half? Yeah, I actually thought for for the most for the most part they de- they defended brilliantly um, just because they. For a lot of this season, those centre backs look or have looked like they've been playing with fear, and you know that they they could make a mistake at any moment. But here it was like they were taking responsibility and going out and making these incredible blocks. I think I think Toby had about I think he had a couple in that in that first half where it was just sort of like I'd already like put my hands on my head in resignation <laughs> to it going in and being like oh that's one nil and then suddenly it's like oh Jesus what a block that's crazy. Um, but yeah, I just thought they were they were more proactive in defending than than the old sit back and hope for the best, which um, you know I don't think would have worked particularly well yesterday. Um, but yeah, those two, um, Eric Dyer looked that was probably his best performance for a while, um, like for a long time. So I think those two, yeah, they absolutely smashed out of the park. Mm. There's something to be said for the way we played yesterday and. Alderweireld and Dyer saw a lot of the ball. There's something to be said about confidence growing when you've got the ball at your feet and feeling more comfortable in a game when you've you've seen a lot of the ball, you felt a lot of the ball, and I think we really saw that yesterday because they, because they were basically uh, you know they, we played how we used to play under Pochettino, so out the centre backs, back to the centre backs, out wide, you know, it, you know the setup, and they just looked more comfortable for it, and you know you do wonder if. Under Jose Mourinho, the centre-back seeing less and less in the ball in comfortable positions, if it just became so jumpy that that the mistakes started coming in. And we have spoken about it on here. 
I don't think the way we play, we used to play, suited the centre backs. And I think you saw yesterday what 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 they are capable of. I still don't think Eric Dyer is going to be the man to Spurs should build their defence on. I think Alderweireld is probably coming to the end of his um, powers, although he should stay at the club. Um, but it was really nice to see them both performing really well. And I also think Hugo Lloris needs to be chucked in there as well. He made a couple of really, really top class saves yesterday that he makes look quite routine. But he is cat-like in the way that he moves across the goal. He's really, really pounces. And, uh, you know, th- those three deserve credit. And and that might be the end of the credit list, to be honest. Yeah. Any, anyone else pick out any sort of goods good day yesterday? I mean... We can save a couple of bits for Be Beautiful that may be a little bit more metaphorical, but in terms of the actual good stuff, in terms of the way that we were playing. I thought Lucas was quite good. Yeah, sorry. That's, Mm. yeah, go on, Dan. Yeah, I mean, when I was thinking about who came with a place, it was Lucas, right? You know, the the same again, please. You know, you you step out, Harry Kane comes back in. and I was really surprised when Bale wasn't in the side and I'm really disappointed, to be honest, because I thought, you know, he's the kind of big game player you you, you want on that stage and in that occasion who could just take half a chance and, and create something out of nothing. So I was disappointed in, in Mason's call there. But I do think, you know, the only person who was kind of relieving a bit of pressure in the first half and, and breaking the press at all was, was Lucas. And, you know, he's... He's got a lot of stick, but I think, you know, over the, the course of the whole Mourinho era, you know, he's one of the few players that, that kind of emerges with credit for that. He had a really strong spell, even when everything around him was kind of crumbling uh, toward the end under Jose. Um, and, he, and he was good, you know, and, he, and he, it's not like he's, he sulks and, and kind of let his head drop. It looked like Mourinho's sacking, you know, could mean he was one of the kind of big losers from it, but... But obviously not, you know, Mason seems to value him as well. And I did think he was he was good. And, you know, the only kind of couple of occasions where Spurs managed to, to break the press is when he wriggled away and, and kind of countered. And, and that, you know, arguably Laporte, um, you know, could have gone. Although I do, you know, I agree with Mason that he's, City is so clever at those tactical fouls that, that there's no way he'd be making the second one if if he'd already got a booking for the first one. You know, yeah. someone else would have just fouled Lucas. There's um, five. There was five different players that did it, wasn't there? They did. Oh yeah, I mean, so they, they, well. I mean, that's it was it was genuinely quite impressive to watch. Um, Spurs could not counter because City took it in turns to to foul them on the halfway line. Um, it's a really good tactic, and it brilliant. worked really well. That, that there's a lot of teams that can learn from that, really. Because you, you talk about how beautiful City are on the ball a lot. I think we all wax lyrical about how good they are on the ball. And they were brilliant yesterday. They, we didn't get anywhere near them. But that is a part of the game that Barcelona were very good at as well. You'd even say Lionel Messi at some point under Pep Guardiola had the most fouls in the Liga. Like this, it's it's just part of the game that Pep teaches his players. And it's it's the the sort of the dirty underbelly that you need to be good at to win titles and, and win cups. And it's... Uh, yeah, as Dan said, it was genuinely quite impressive at points yesterday where it was like, right, you go, and then you go, then we'll keep rotating it so the ref doesn't think it's two in a row, through, you know, because they do come over and they're going, that was three. And you go, no, it wasn't. He was the, he did it last time, wasn't me. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were very good at it, yes. That's so <laughs> true, Hunter. You know, when you have that thought process, you're yeah. like, he's already been booked. And you're yeah. like, oh my God, it was another <laughs> yeah, one. <yeah. laughs> like, which one of these fucking... <laughs> 
but I think I, I just I don't think he had a fantastic game all round. But I think along with um, Lucas Lacelso was growing into the game. And although some were saying he was looking tired, I, th- I thought he was the one of the the three midfielders that looked most likely to to make something happen. Um, I saw Alistair Gold game with five, and I was like, that's a bit harsh. I definitely don't think he was a five, but um. But yeah, what, what, what did Dan give him? Dan, you love player ratings. <laughs> what I wasn't you... doing. I wasn't doing ratings yesterday. Thank you. What would you have given him? <laughs> so he can still slag you off. <laughs> <even>. <laughs> I'm going to go higher than, than Alistair now. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I genuinely thought Lascelles and Lucas were. Yeah, were. I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to this, but you know that that was a strange substitution because I thought they were probably two of the brightest players, and I would have given yeah Lascelles a seven, I reckon. Mm, the best yeah. chance, didn't he? Forced. Lovely shot. Yeah, yeah, lovely shot. Mm. I suppose. I suppose we've we've touched on the defence in terms of the things that they did really well. I suppose we should move on to the bad bits and just kind of look at the structure of the team and the way that we approach the game. Um, Shawnee, how? I don't know about you, but I certainly found it quite difficult to watch at times with us pinging balls in at waist height to midfielders that that were struggling to control the ball at the best of times, let alone with three city players breathing down their neck. Yeah. I guess this kind of comes back to the fact that we have the, this rookie manager in charge who has like had absolutely no time at all to get this really meddling team out of their bad habits to just find some sort of semblance of a good game plan of a, because the thing that really annoys me is when people have been saying now it's a very easy narrative to run like oh if Jose was there it would have been different it's a cup final all this kind of stuff like we saw exactly how Jose would have set up for this final in the game at the Etihad a couple months ago and we were so bad we were so much worse than yesterday somehow like I I don't understand how people have been watching Spurs for this season and have been thinking yeah Jose would have been the one to fix that so I think maybe part of the reason Levy acted when he did was to maybe just clear like the clouds above the club a little bit to give the players a little boost, a little bit of a new manager bounce. They have someone that everyone kind of respects and they know really well. And someone who, you know, I think I think all those people have seen his tweets now, like he really is a believer that Spurs have enough quality to be playing good football. And maybe that was just the hope. And Unfortunately, like I said it earlier, it was always going to be such a tough ask. But yeah, if you can always look at the game and think, what what could we have done better? Like you're right, I don't like it when our like a midfield of Hoiberg, Winks, Lacelso is just getting pressed into oblivion, and they're getting balls fired at them. Like you know, Borussia Dortmund's training thing. Yeah, it was like that, and so it was. Yeah, the, the first half in particular was just so so uncomfortable. It was like wave mm. after wave of city attack within five seconds of us having a goal kick, which we play short. Yeah, it's that thing of uh, <laughs> they cut away f- to do a replay during the goal kick, and when it comes back to the play, it's just back in city's hands. You're like, ah. I would have quite liked to see the goal kick just to see us in possession for two seconds. <laughs> That's so true. There were yeah. so many times when they did like little glamour shots of people on the side. And I was like, stop, we've got the ball. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to have it again. God's sake. Yeah. Jude, what was your sort of take on the, the structure? I mean, I suppose we should also talk a little bit about the actual starting team. Um, were you surprised with the 11 that was selected? 
Uh, I was surprised that we didn't see Ndombele whatsoever. I think the rest of the team is pretty much spot on, but for him to not be on the pitch at all, I'm not sure if he has some, there's something around him where people don't rate his defensive work because I actually think he's like reasonable enough in defense. It's not his biggest strength, but he's not, he's not like a weakness in there. And it wasn't really a game where we could see Harry Winks at his best either. Cause you know, if we're waxing lyrical about Harry Winks, it'll be when he played Real Madrid and he was on the ball and he was bringing passes left and right, but we just didn't have enough of the ball and he's not, really amazing at resisting any sort of press when he does have the ball. There are a few little moments where he, he picked it up and, and and went forward, but he didn't have that same Ndombele quality where he, he just, he faints one way and then goes the other and just creates space out of absolutely nowhere. And I think that really would have helped Spurs just get more of a foot foothold in the game um, and like get them playing on the break a little better and getting the ball to Son and Kane who, just didn't really have enough of it really to cause any problems. The rest of the team, I think, is pretty much bang on. Maybe bail in there somewhere, but apart from that, like no complaints over the starting level whatsoever. Dan, I, I saw some of your, your tweets throughout the game and I could sort of sense that you were probably, as a Spurs fan, almost feeling as suffocated as the as the team was during the game. It had that real um, feeling during the first half of, of almost like a boa constrictor just wrapping around Spurs' midfield and, and squeezing the life out of it. Yeah, City is so impressive. Like, you're genuinely kind of like, have they got 15 players or something? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Um it's not just on the ball, and obviously they're great on the ball, but every time Spurs got it and managed to kind of transfer it from the, the centre-halves or Lloris into midfield, they just had to go backwards. Like, all the passing lanes were, were cut off every single time. And it was, it yeah, it was just kind of relentless pressure. I think, yeah, boa constrictor is a good way of putting it. Um, I thought the the omission playing that way and, and not including a Dombele was was really baffling. Uh, I mean, I mean, tweeted during the game. You know, he's the only player who would kind of <clears throat> potentially be able to to beat the City press. Um, I think I saw Michael Cox going further this morning, saying that there's no other player in the Premier League or no other midfielder in the Premier League who'd have been better suited to to that way of playing. Um, I asked Mason about it afterwards as well, and, and he didn't answer the question. You know, I asked him effectively why Dombley didn't start and he just talked about the style in general so we don't know if there was a kind of injury there or, or fitness concerns but you know the only real chance Spurs had playing that way um, you know which was literally Larice and Alderweireld standing in the six yard box next to Larice at goal kicks you know that's how kind of deep they were um, from that situation the only chance playing that way is to have a kind of Ndombele or, or obviously the master Musa Dembele himself, who can wriggle out of tight holes and, and beat a press and get away from a couple of men. Winks can't do that. Um, mm. Lacelso almost did it a couple of times, just with the quickness of his, his passing and his feet. But you know, Dombele would have given Spurs a chance to to basically transition up the pitch, um, which they they just weren't able to do nearly enough, barring a couple of counterattacks in the second half when the game became a bit stretched. So, Hunter, with that in mind, does that make you does that make you sad, or or is it more kind of like oh, I just feel like what might have been, or there's like question un, questions unanswered, or are you falling down in that camp of do you know what City is so good that 
it kind of is insignificant. I think it's a bit of both, to be honest, mate. It's always going to be, because we don't know, there's always going to be a lingering question of what could have been. But it, let's be honest, Undumbele can can turn three or four players as as many times as you want. It's the then the second ball and the third only, ball. Only one Hunter Godson, as, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I'm going to make this happen. <laughs> Somewhere in our lives, we're going to make this happen. We're going to get to Power League five-a-sides. <laughs> it really is your, league. has there ever been a boy born who can swim faster than a shark? Mate? <laughs> well, ask me, Sorry, do, I think, do I think Dembele could have... Could have changed the game yesterday. Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> no, but you know, yeah, of course, there's going to be a question of, of what if. But let's be honest. Let's. There's no mistake. City are a different, uh, a beast of a different nature to us. And 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 our passing beyond the midfield wasn't good enough or sharp enough. And and I mean, we'll probably come on to it in another section. But Kane and Son just weren't massively out. I, I was actually very impressed with what Kane Kane's output was on the ball. I thought it was brilliant on the ball, but he just didn't look quite as sharp as he normally does um in terms of movement off the ball. And uh, uh, people at the game were saying saying similar. So I was I actually put... think it was go, so controlling go mate. I I was saying to my dad like during the game, I was like I'm really surprised that Mason didn't put Vinicius on the bench because I think knowing that Kane was only so so fit it would have been nice to have had an actual kind of target man option with Kane dropping a little bit deeper into the 10 role if possible and we, we found it so hard getting up the pitch all game and when Bale came on he bet he hardly got a sniff from wide right Sissoko was doing a lot of dropping deep to try and get the ball as well and yeah it, look I don't want to get lay into Mason too much because he is just so young and so inexperienced but this is this is the, this is the kind of things he's got to be answering. Like this is the criticisms that you're going to face as the head coach of Spurs. At 60 yeah, minutes, I, I, I think... was tweeting, "Bring on Fernando Llorente." So I was thinking similar, <laughs> similar lines to you, Sean. Because I honestly, honestly thought, I don't think Diaz or Laporte could get round Llorente, and it does make you. It does, it does just make you wonder again. Why did why did we let why did we let him go and bring in Carlos? Anyway, that's a that's probably a different discussion for a different day, but. There you go. Yeah, don't don't tug at that thread. <laughs> <laughs> Get us into all sorts of bother. Um, I, I I think we can try and club this together because Hunter mentioned it there, and I think we'll put it in the ugly. I mean, it's never good seeing Son crying. It's particularly not good seeing Son crying off the back of a performance like that. He spoke so well on Spurs TV last week after the Southampton game, set about saying that. There's no pride in turning up. There's no pride in just getting to a final. Pride comes from getting to the final and then winning it. Mm. But I have to say, Sonny probably had one of those days that we thought were kind of behind him. You know, like he occasionally has them. But in big games, it's so often Sonny that's turned up for us. Kind of felt strange seeing him within 20 minutes having played a back pass that almost rolled City in on goal. It, I, I, with it, with all, I, I think he's the uh, one of our best players. Absolutely world class. He's not been he's not been the son of the first three months of the season for for a while now. He's he's not been as unbelievably efficient as he was. He looks tired, and we've said this for ages. And you know, he picked up an injury that he doesn't. You know, Sonny doesn't pick up injuries. That's sort of the that's sort of his thing. And I think it's all. I think. 
obviously there's a lot more expectation when it comes to Son and Kane. And yesterday it was more a fact of our team looks knackered after after 50, 60 minutes. They looked absolutely gone, legs gone. And you could tell, especially in the last 10 minutes when we're pushing for a goal and they can't even close City down anymore. And I think a lot of that then gets aimed towards Son and Kane because they're the two world-class talents that people rely on for those goals. And I'm not saying Son had a particularly good game, but I think... Uh, the the sort of the blame game that went on after after is just a a byproduct of them being brilliant, being world class players. Um, but yeah, he didn't have his best game. But but did it, you know? Did anyone have their best mm. game? I think that's it's also quite underrated that like I so I've only seen it mentioned a couple of times. But so we've played like a hundred million games this season. We played about. 17 rounds of Europa League games. We started the season with like, we had the, the manic period. It was like seven games in two weeks or whatever, something like that. Um, but City during the winter, like they had a couple of games called off like COVID stuff. So like, I'm not saying it was like a winter break, but they did at least have time where they weren't playing, where they were resting, they were recuperating, they were getting fresh again. And, and like the way they just pulled away in the title race, the way that they've made themselves the favourites for the Champions League, um, even yesterday, just they looked like a team who were halfway through the season rather than the back end of it. They looked like a team playing a League Cup final that would have been scheduled in February. And it was just another one of those things where we just couldn't, couldn't get near them. We couldn't get near them for quality. We couldn't get near them for fitness. It was always just stacked against us. Yeah. Well, they're two starting 11s as well. You just yeah. rotate yeah. in and out. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? You don't play Mares, you can play like Ferran Torres. Gabby Jesus and Sergio Aguero didn't even get on the pitch. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, outrageous. <laughs> I, think, I think another thing that Sean you picked up on there it, that I think is really important to discuss because it's done the rounds a little bit today is the idea of fitness. And it was certainly in my mind after the first forty-five, I just thought, how long can we maintain this? Mm. How long can we keep? Because when you get physically tired at some point mental tiredness is going to creep in and we saw that happen even though Sissoko was probably one of the freshest players on the pitch it just got to that point where the pressure just told on us and we were creaking and and, and ultimately cracked but it doesn't make it any easier does it mm. to see us concede in that way I think that was probably the the, the ultimate kicker that we have to put in the ugly is that you do so much defending for so long and then you can see to an unmarked man from a set piece that you should have never given away in the first place I, I, I think it was just more the fact that it was it was the exact same thing happening again Aurier giving away a foul that he absolutely he did everything right he's got round Sterling he's forced him down the line he's he's got nowhere to go you've you've won the battle now you just have to sort of hurry him into into making a mistake and he's just so impatient that he just goes straight through the back of him so one annoying then it's a cross into the area where we're so passive, so, so everyone's standing still and Laporte gets a complete free run on Sissoko who doesn't even know he's there. And it was like, it was a, a hybrid of zonal marking and man marking. And I just couldn't work out what, what the aim was there. And I, I can't blame Mason for that because we've been conceding those goals all again, but that was, you know, a second one. And the fact that it's Sissoko, like you said, who's supposed to come on and shore it up. And we just looked more and more shaky after, after he came on is another annoying thing that we've seen happen before this season. So it was a strange sense of deja vu, a warming sense of deja vu <laughs> that sort of came over us as we conceded that, but you know, more the same. Before before we go on to talk about the future, is there anything else that I've, I've missed in there that anyone wants to flag? 
But um, there's not. There's not. Uh, I mean, Regulon had a really bad game. <laughs> <laughs> just looked like he'd lost his head. slag off. <laughs> I don't know. He just. He just looked like he'd lost his head after 20 minutes. Like like the occasion yeah, yeah, had massively got to him. And I was like, he's you... played in finals bigger than this, but clearly. Those six thousand fans rattled him. <laughs> he's re- he's clearly very good, but he does have what the kids call the bozo gene. <laughs> but that but that makes him more endearing in a way because that yeah. is like that is fully Spurs. Yay. Yeah, yeah, tough, tough afternoon for Regulon. I sort of felt like, do you know what? Regulon's been having a bit of a rough patch just in general for about the last month or so. Seems to have lost a little bit of his confidence defending wise. Because I remember earlier on in the season, he made Mares look pathetic. He was mm. brilliant. He mm. absolutely battered him for 90 minutes. I think he got taken off, didn't he, Mares? Yeah, he did. But but, but yesterday Mares was was frightening against Regulon. He couldn't get his legs right, couldn't get his footwork right. He just was a wash. Um let, let's go on to let's go on to the beautiful stuff. I got so much from watching Ryan Mason walk out in front of that Spurs side yesterday. If like Yes, the result was rubbish and the feeling of losing was rubbish. But seeing Ryan Mason Jude just at the front of the line, kind of walking mm. out of the team in the suit, it, it was really, really heartwarming, wasn't it? Yeah, it was proper like, uh, this is my club, my one and only club sort of mm. vibes, um, even though he did play for Hull as well. But don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fraud. <laughs> yeah, you don't know this club. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think one thing that might come out of this season that, is that this last little run of games will just help bring fans a little closer to to the club by having Mason in there. They've pretty much done everything wrong up to this point, you know, with attritional football and Super League and stuff like that. So the detachment is probably as big as it ever has been. But um, but yeah, that was nice and heartwarming. It was fuzzy feels for sure. <laughs> Anyone else pick out any other bits that kind of like just made him swoon yesterday? The sound of the crowd has to go in there. You, it did. It translated mm. well on TV. They sounded loud. That they sounded. You know, I heard a lot more uh, Spurs singing than I did City singing. I'll say that. And um, it's just it was nice ha- having authentic crowd noise that isn't two seconds behind the. <laughs> behind. <laughs> and you did feel it. Do you know what? What what I did, I had a a momentary uh, feeling of like, is this when when Dyer made that block and it hit the post, and I did have a moment of, is this going to be like the Champions League mm, uh, yeah. quarterfinal second leg, where like the the luck is just with us and things are happening and you sort of you know, City are much better, but we're scoring goals and although that dissipated quite soon after that, <laughs> I did that. It was nice to have that moment of. God, this is fun again, isn't it? And then it it wasn't that it, I totally had had maintained the faith in a smash and grab until Laporte's goal, pretty much. It just seemed like the longer yeah, same, yeah. City mm. didn't score, the more anxiety would inevitably creep into their game. So, um, yeah, I don't think that was that was kind of misguided. Um, mm. I mean, I think you know, I mean, an interesting thing. Was was the fact that Pep went full strength as well, and I think we all expect him to play a team more like the Chelsea semi final, which which is, which was a much more beatable team than, than that one. I mean, due to right and saying they've got two first 11s, but 
Um, you know, I would have much rather they rested De Bruyne and, and Gundogan for PSG, but um, it wasn't to be. And we'll just have to say Pochettino does a number on them on, on Wednesday and they're all nappy. <laughs> Go on, Poch. <laughs> yeah, Poch. <but. laughs> Go on, Poch. <laughs> God, such a killer, isn't it? I, don't, I, I think that's a really good point, actually. It was quite strange as the game was going on that you were watching thinking, oh my God, one goal could win this and it could be us. And yet at the same time thinking, if you take our season and that game on the whole into account, that would have been the most misleading thing to have ever happened to a football side ever for us to just kind of like, having gone through the week that we have and having gone through the season that we have and then City dominating the dominate the ball, the possession, the chances. I mean, it, it easily could have happened, but there was a little part of me watching on just thinking like, how how are we going to get a goal and nick this, you know? And then sure enough, City found a way through. And that was the thing that killed me. I just, I just found it really hard to deal with the fact that we'd conceded from a set piece. So just, just don't give them a set piece out on our right-hand side, their left-hand side in a dangerous area that they can swing into the box. And then just sure enough, it, it felt like it was coming. I, I just, just to finish up, I just quickly would like us to look to the future given that it looks like Nagelsmann is, is pretty much done um, with Bayern Munich. I mean, th- there's there's a lot. I saw Dan, you wrote about this today as well, and and, and Shawnee, you did too. There's, there's a lot to fix up in between now and the start of next season, isn't there? Yes, there is. Yeah, it, it feels like one of the biggest summers for Levy in his 20 years at the club. You know, it really does feel like Spurs are at a crossroads. I mean, that, uh, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, what I wrote today is that, you know, Mason came out after the game and said, you know, we're five years from from City, which which I don't think was wrong or an unfair assessment. But but obviously, the you know, Pochettino had a five-year cycle that, that literally ended with the Champions League final. And, you know, Mason was kind of suggesting that another cycle would have to start and, and the team is, is kind of trapped, bang in the middle of those two things. And Mourinho, you know, was supposed to kind of be there the sort of add-on on the end of Pochettino's cycle that would just kind of drag them over the line and get and get some trophies before the process started again. And obviously that hasn't worked. Um, I think he's only taken the, the squad backwards, to be honest. Um, I think they're in a worse position now than they were when when he was appointed. Um, so, yeah, it feels like Levy's just got to get so many things right this summer. And, and let's face it, you know, it's it's the elephant in the room. It's It's... It's taboo, but, you know, Kane's future is obviously a, a big part of it. I mean, you know, another kind of first-hand look at um, another team winning a trophy yesterday. Um, and he needs assurances that, you know, Spurs are going to be challenging next year. He's not going to kind of sign on for another sort of five-year project, is he, at this stage of his career? So, um, yeah, massive summer ahead for the club. It's, I, I, I saw, saw a piece that said Levy will probably wait to see where we end up finishing, you know, seventh, seventh, and you sort of have to give way to the idea that massive spending, uh, massive, massive outgoings, you know, probably lose a couple of players, but you come fourth or fifth and he doesn't, and he gets away with it just about again, um, which makes you wonder where, where do you want to finish as a club? Um, but you're right, Hensley, there's going to be, there's going to, this is probably the biggest summer, I don't know under under Levy because of the crossroads we're at, especially in terms of, even in terms of the manager you bring in. Do you bring someone who's a bit of a project manager? Do you bring in someone who's 
hopefully going to win a trophy in a year. This this team doesn't look like they can do that at the moment. And and you you have to say some of these players probably need to be moved on. Um, and the only way you you bring you keep your sons happy, your Canes happy now is through massive investment into the squad and showing what what the ambition of the club is. And do we have the cash to do that? Uh, time will tell, right? Time will tell. There's always the Super League millions. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, is that, Florent- is that Florentino? Is it too late to go back? Is that a quick um, cash grab I hear? <laughs> there's also a real dearth of good managers that we can appoint. Like, Nagelsmann off the table just means that the quality of attaining all managers is it's just a massive dip. And the last couple of days, I've just been really thinking... Is is now the time? Is is it worth us being the club that gives ultimate control freak Ralph Ranić the keys to just rebuild the club from top to bottom? Because I don't know what other good options are really out there. Shawnee, so you, you wouldn't see that as too bigger, bigger gamble. I think just because there's who are like the obvious candidates for the job. Rogers, I don't know if. Leicester allow him to leave. I don't know if he wants to leave with the, like the the cycle of the project that they're in right now. Um, Ten Hag from Ajax has gone a bit under the radar. I think he might be one that we might look at, but I don't know if he leaves for us after all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and then from there, you're looking at guys like Graham Potter, who has the, the quality of players at Brighton isn't amazing, and they play decent football whenever Jude's not there. Um, <laughs> Neil yeah. Morpay just skying them out of the stadium yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's about but six yards out from, from there I don't know who, who else you're looking at like Southgate maybe if he if he leaves England this summer I really don't know who else is out there so I'm just thinking if we're going to go back into like another rebuild with a project that's going to be like a proper kind of okay in five years we want to be back in the Champions League final I think maybe maybe it is the time to give Ranić that kind of control because I don't know anymore what do you reckon, Jude? I'm not sure. I, I just can't get around. Um, I feel like we've really missed a chance here. Just as a club, um, when Ryan Mason talked about three or four years ago or being four or five years behind City, it's like 2017, that was the chance to really catch up with the big boys, invest heavily in that squad, and they'd be massive. And um, it just didn't happen. And we're sort of in this in the doldrums now, which is, is, is quite, it's quite odd. Um, I mean, Graham Potter's Brian do play incredible football sometimes. It's just the amount of chances they sky. Like Lalana just will arrive onto a cutback and it will just soar into Roseanne. This, you do sort of look at him on the touchline and think there's not really much more you can do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not sure. Such a I guess game. the argument there is if if Kane were to stay and Son were to stay, then he would have a much better array of forwards who can find the net to do- work with. And, and, and they look quite decent defensively, Brighton as well. It's yeah. more about does Son and Kane stay for Potter, though, isn't it? Because yeah, is, yeah, is Potter a name that you can say to Harry Kane and Hummin Son is going to win you trophies in the next? I I agree, the football will probably improve and it'll it'll be quite good to watch. But will is when it comes to FA Cup final against City again, <laughs> and it's Pep Guardiola <laughs> facing off against Graham Potter. I mean, it, it, only time will tell, but. It, as as you said, Hainsy and Dan, this is this is going to be this is the crossroads. Now we're at, you know, this is the the, the rebuild we should have had if when we got rid of 
Pochettino, I would, you know, we're back at the same thing. Why the hell did we get rid of Pochettino, for God's sake? <laughs> <laughs> the, one, the one thing that, that I, will, I will end us on is the fact that, like, even though it was it was unfortunately a bit of a crap weekend, I am looking forward to the last five games of Ryan Mason in charge. I think it's one of those one of those periods of football that we just got to enjoy. It's been a bit of a weird and wonderful ride, or not even wonderful, just weird and at times quite quite crap ride this season. Um, watching us throw points away at so many different places, um, and now at least you've got five games to enjoy with Ryan Mason leading the team out with Harry Kane and Son and hopefully Bale in there. When we scored against Southampton and and won that game, like that felt really, really good. And our running is not that difficult, like in comparison to say someone like Chelsea's Chelsea, are, are, they're, they're playing incredibly well, but they have got a grotesque running, like really, really difficult when you consider they've got to play Leicester in the FA Cup final. They've got the, Champions League. They've got Leicester in the league as well. They've got who else? They've got United still to play potentially. They've got the worst. They've got a London derby, even though Fulham are not playing that well. They've got Fulham as well to play in a derby there as well. So they've they've, they've got a difficult run in. I'm all I'm saying is not completely off the cards just yet. Would you say that's the least London derby? London derby. For Fulham to Fulham, it's their it's their big derby. For Fulham, for Chelsea, they don't care. Oh, Chelsea! Sorry, I was thinking about West Ham for some reason. Yeah, um, for... but but West Ham also also have a, a fairly a fairly. It looked simple at times, but now you look at it, and, and the teams that they've got coming up have all of a sudden found a bit of form. Especially they've got Burnley away. I think they've got Everton away. You know, it's it's wide open. It's just the thing now. Is this you sort of go? Is are the next five games incredibly important, or, or are they a completely free hit? I guess only time will really tell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, so Chelsea's running now. Real Madrid, Fulham, Real Madrid, City away, Arsenal, Leicester, Leicester in the FA Cup final, Aston Villa away on the last day of the season. Like, it's not easy. A couple of big Super and, League games uh, in there I as mean, well. Liverpool can't be trusted at the moment. West Ham look like they could slip away. Mm. I'm being massively optimistic, but... There is, there is just enough there if we can kind of get it right. Um, but yeah, we'll leave on that relatively positive note. All right, well, uh, have a great uh, have a great week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Um, as ever, if you haven't subscribed, we'd love you to think about subscribing. Um, drop us a, a rating and a review and let us know what you thought of the pod. Get in touch on Twitter. I think that's the best way to get in touch with us all. Um, it's where we'll be the most responsive. So catch us on there or on the Oh What A Night pod Twitter handle. Um, shoot us over your notes and we'll try and get back to as many of you as possible uh, we'll be back again at the end of the week to have a little bit of a natter about the weekend that's coming up as well we've got a late kickoff and then I think in line with Premier League cub- clubs we will steer clear very much on, on social media as it's social media, media blackout weekend as well so um, we'll try and get in touch with you before the end of the week if not have a great week everyone and we'll speak to you all soon what a feeling, what a night. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.